0: Hello and welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining unwavering faith in Almighty God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I am very thankful that you've taken out some time to spend with me today. We're going back to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 141 today. So if you have your Bibles, you're in a place where you can open them. I want to invite you there to that great text. We've been walking through several Psalms, and we've looked at Uh, different ones, select ones, that uh, I believe will help us hopefully weather the storm. We've looked at several of these that have been penned by David. And today and over the next several episodes, we're going to be looking at some in order. And so Psalm 141, 142, and 143 is what we have coming up. And that'll bring us to uh, one final episode after that. And so this season is moving right along. But again, I hope and pray that it's been helpful for you. It's been beneficial, and it's in some way helped you, as this podcast is all about, to look unto God and to bolster your faith in Him, that when those difficult times come, that you'll be ready. Not because of your own strength, but because of your dependence on His. Again, we're in Psalm 141 today. This is Episode 18 of Weathering the Storm on Season 4 of the Scattered Broad Network. If you haven't already, I want you to, uh, if you have time, when you have time, to go and check out the rest of the podcasts on this network. I encourage you to do that. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and our YouTube channel. uh, On Instagram, you can email us at thescouterbroadnetwork at gmail.com. But we certainly appreciate all of the great support that we've received. It's been extremely encouraging. And so thank you very much. And personally, I want to thank you for listening to Weathering the Storm. So again, Psalm 141, let's begin by reading this. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch of the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, as when one plows and breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. This psalm is very interesting. Uh, it is certainly a prayer that David is offering, and he is praying for safekeeping from wickedness. You know, when you think about the Psalms, that's one of the main themes. Uh, In fact, Psalm 1, the introduction to the entire book, is about the the righteous man, the blessed man, who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delights in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate day and night. So there's that contrast in Psalm 1 that's really seen throughout the book of Psalms. Here's the wicked, here's how they seem to be flourishing, but in the end they're not. And there's this constant battle, this constant contrast between those who are striving to do what's right and those who are just practicing wickedness on a daily basis. And so here he's praying for safekeeping, David is, that he won't fall into the traps that the wicked set, you know, that he's not going to follow their paths. And so when we come to this, we want to break this down together. I've got several points as we outline this psalm that will hopefully be helpful for you in your personal study. First, notice with me the word attention. Attention, verses 1 and 2. David says, I cry out to you, and that's found twice, and that's significant. I cry out to you, and so hear me when I cry out to you. Notice how he describes his crying out in his prayer. He says, receive it as incense. We find in Revelation 5, 8, Revelation 8, 3, and 4, that the prayers of the saints are as incense to the throne of God. Then he says in reference to lifting up of my hands. In a previous episode, we discussed the idea of offering a holy life unto God and how that is to look. And that's the concept of lifting up these, these holy hands unto God. And so that is what David is emphasizing here, 1 Timothy two eight. And then he says offering this as the evening sacrifice, Exodus 29, 39, and 41. So it's very unique uh, that his prayers describe this way. But the whole point is that he is wanting to get the attention of God. You know, one of the beautiful things about being a child of God is that we don't have to jump up and down and, and scream and shout, kind of like they did in 1 Kings 18 when they were you know, yelling and, and cutting themselves and all of this. That's not what we need to do when approaching God. We just need to humbly go to Him in prayer, and He'll be waiting for us there. And that, that's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. So David's concern here, is for the attention of God. He was concerned was that his prayers would be acceptable to God. I'm reminded of Psalm 19, it's one of my favorite psalms. It's a, the end of that psalm is something that I, I try to pray before I get up to preach each Sunday. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my Rock and Redeemer. So notice how David is concerned that his prayers be acceptable to God. That he is grasping God's attention. The Waycaster said, the sweet singer of Israel understood the proper protocol for approaching the God of Israel, always in humility and with a sincere heart of faith. So you and I, when we're striving to approach the throne of grace, let's remember that mentality and that mindset. Always approach him in humility and with a sincere heart of faith. But we're going to him in faith that he's going to hear us and that he's going to help us. And so David cries out unto God. Second, notice the word prevention. Prevention, verses 3 and 4. This is very uh, important, and I believe it's a great prayer that we can be praying. David is asking that God prevent him from doing something wrong. He says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works. The New Living Translation says, Take control of what I say. And I find that a very interesting way to to word that, not in a miraculous sense, but that we pray to God that he'll help us, uh, that he'll be with us, that we will think twice before we speak. And I believe that we could uh, alleviate a lot of pain and problems and probably be able to get around a lot of different storms if we didn't say as much. Sometimes we get in trouble uh, when we speak a little bit too much. In fact, the Proverbs writer picked up on this said, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 13.3 Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 21.23 So if I don't guard my mouth and I don't guard my tongue, well, then I'm asking for trouble. So there are times that we need to speak up. There are times that we need to uh, you know, be bold when we speak. But there are other times when we don't need to say as much because that can get us into trouble. When you look at the New Testament, the book of James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, there's a heavy emphasis on the tongue. You know, it's a little member, but it's a world of iniquity. It's a fire. Uh, no man can tame it. talks about taming animals. We can do that. But the, the tongue, you know, no man can tame that. Once you get it out there, there's a lot of damage that can be done. And So if you're taking notes on this, I want to encourage you to jot down James 3. 1 through 12, with Psalm 141, 3 and 4. Again, that's James 3, 1 through 12, with Psalm 141, 3 and 4. And always remember, the Bible is its own best commentary. You can read this passage, and then you go to another one, and they connect so beautifully. And the reason being, of course, is there's one author, and that's the Holy Spirit. And there's harmony throughout the Scriptures. So David is crying out to God in this difficult time, And he's striving for relief. He's striving for safekeeping. That is his goal here, that he will not follow the path of the wicked, that he'll stay on track and stay true to God. So he cries out to God for his attention. He prays to God for prevention, that he will help him to guard his mouth, guard his thoughts. But then continuing on in this process, he says, don't let me follow the way of the wicked. Again, the NLT says, don't let me drift toward evil. Or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. The ESV says, "Don't allow me to busy myself with the wicked." Friends, I believe that's a great, great mindset and a great prayer. We need to be associated with with good, godly people, and, and the more that we're associated with them, you know, the better that that we will be in our mentality, and in our, you know, in our thoughts and our actions. You surround yourself with the better people, and that can make you better. Um, I think about the scattered Broad Network, and when we all meet together for our joint podcast and we spend time with each other, I'm always so encouraged and uplifted, you know, spending time with with these good brethren, and that's just so, so important. Who's in your inner circle? You know, who, who are you surrounding yourself with on a daily basis? That is crucial. And if there's any a young person listening to this, always remember the company that you keep. And my grandmother always told me, if you lay down with the dogs, you'll come up with the fleas. And so there's one sense in which you want to be with others so you can help them and you can be a good influence and encourage them. But on the flip side, don't get caught up in the ways of the wicked and don't get caught up trying to, you know, impress them and and do things that are wrong that you know they're wrong. And that's really what David is emphasizing in this prayer. You think about some passages that remind us of the importance of keeping good company. Find in Exodus 23.2, don't follow a multitude, to do evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every appearance of evil. And First 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, I've seen this even in my own life, and I've had to make some decisions that have been difficult. But you have to surround yourself with people that are going to help you, not the people that are going to hinder you. And so you have to make sure If you're striving to do what's right, surround yourself with people that are also striving to do what is right. Ultimately, David here is praying that God will help him to be pure. Brother David picked up on this. He said David is praying for God to help him to be pure in speech, pure in heart, pure in conduct, and pure in his associations. That's a wonderful outline for a prayer that we could be offering to God. Creating me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Help me to be purer in heart. We sing that great hymn. David is calling out for God's attention. I'm crying out to you. I'm lifting up to you. I want to make sure that you hear me and that you're going to be there for me. And I'm praying that you will help prevent me from doing something wrong. Whether that's saying something I shouldn't say or doing something I shouldn't do. With that, we move on to verses 5 through 7. And we highlight the word correction. Correction. Let me just say this is a very difficult uh, text to ascertain the meaning. And if you try to find you know different commentators or, or whatever to help you, you might have a, a trouble. For example, I <laughs> uh, looked up what, what Mr. Kaufman said. Here's what he said. Verses 5 through 7 in this psalm are admitted by all scholars to be most difficult to translate, there being no consensus whatever upon what is meant. We shall therefore offer no explanations or comments on a passage we freely confess as a mystery. I remember reading that and closing it, and thinking, "Thanks a lot, you know that that really helped me. But when you look at this, and I, and I believe it's helpful when we kind of we've already talked about the attention and prevention, you know David is, is seeing a storm on the horizon, if you will, and he's praying to God to be with him before this storm ever comes. you know, help me to be in the right place, help me to surround myself with the right people, help me to stay close and true to you. So here's where we we use the word correction. There are two possible views. First, David is speaking of the righteous with a hint of sarcasm. You know, when the righteous strike me, let me receive it. But here's the second view, and I believe this one is is the one that, that adds up. David was speaking of his willingness to be rebuked by those who were truly righteous in the sight of God, something his enemy was not willing to do. So David is possibly saying that he will readily accept the criticism or the rebuke from the righteous because it can help him. But he's not going to listen to or entertain criticism from the wicked. In fact, his prayers are against them as we read in this text. So in the sports world, we talk about constructive criticism. You know, and someone who's not playing ball, they may not understand that. But when you see a coach just just grilling a player, you know, it's out of love. And knowing that it's from the right source and knowing it's going to help you get better, if you receive that criticism the right way, it can make you better, but if you take that criticism in a negative way, that can really, really hurt you uh, psychologically. Well, the same is true spiritually. You know, if if you have a brother in Christ who comes to you and 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 is rebuking you because you are done, you, you're in the wrong. You know, you've done something wrong. If you receive that, knowing, hey, he's coming to me out of love. He he cares for my soul. He wants me to get better and do better. Then that's a good thing. Think back to when Nathan rebuked David. And think about how David responded. You know, 2 Samuel 11, we spent some time on this a few weeks ago in one of our episodes on Psalm 32 and 51. You remember David was guilty of the sin of Bathsheba, the sin of of putting Uriah on the front lines. He was guilty of this. And Nathan came and told him. He gave him that story, and David knew. He, He was able to understand when Nathan said, you are the man, you know, that this is on you. And David said, I have sinned. I've sinned against my God. And so David was better and, and was able to do better because of Nathan coming and offering that constructive criticism. You Who know, criticized him for what he did and he rebuked him for it? But it made him better. You know, the word of God's that way. Second Timothy four two and following. Paul told Timothy, Preach the Word, be in season out of season, reprove and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. That's a part of preaching the gospel. It, you know it's meant to correct behavior, but hopefully it's it's instructing us that we can do the right thing in the first place and I believe that entails what david is is praying here, so he's praying for prevention he's praying for correction, but then, as we come to verse eight, David is praying for protection protection he knows that he has you know wicked people all around him. you and I today i mean that's that's exactly what we have around us. Wickedness all around us. And it doesn't, you know, it's not very difficult to get caught up with the wrong crowd. We've got to be so careful. So that he's praying for protection. My eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you, I take refuge. This is a quote here from the Treasury of David that has helped me very much. David looked upward and kept his eyes fixed there. He regarded duty more than circumstances. He considered his promise rather than the external providence, and he expected from God rather than from men. He did not shut his eyes in indifference or despair, neither did he turn them to the creature in vain confidence, but he gave his eyes to his God and saw nothing to fear. When my eyes are fixed on God, they're they're focused on God, then the things that are going on around me, they're not going to affect me as much. But if I keep my eyes focused on the things that are going on around me, then it's so easy to follow that path. And so David, in a very sincere way, is calling on God, asking God in this prayer for protection. You know, he's already talked to him and prayed to him about protecting him as to what he's going to say and what he's going to do. And now he's praying for protection. In you, I take refuge. You know, even though all this wickedness is around me, there's a lot of negativity around me. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you, God. And I'm going to stay true to you. And I pray that you will protect me as I do so. And that brings us to the final point, verses 9 and 10. Here we have the word vindication. Vindication. Keep me from those who do evil so I don't go down with them. <laughs> that is uh, basically a paraphrase of what we read there. You know, the wicked, they they have it. They have their reward. So David is saying, God, help me not to fall on that same path. Help me to do what is right. Even though it's difficult, and even though I may be all alone here, if I have you on my side, then I'm on the winning side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. Something we need to remember. In Psalm 140, verses 8 through 10, there's almost identical language. It's this idea of David recognizing, you know, the wicked, they seem to be flourishing. They seem to be enjoying life, but he knows the end. He knows the end result of them. So, even though sometimes living a godly life and, and doing the right thing is difficult and we get you know ridiculed and mocked and maybe we have to go through some, some difficult times because of that, it's worth it to do what is right. It's always the right time to do the right thing, always. And so we can stay true to God, look unto Him, because this may be a storm that we face one day. Maybe we're very tempted to give in to something that we know we shouldn't do, or we're tempted to follow the crowd and, and to go somewhere we know we shouldn't go. Let's remember this psalm and remember that, you know, keeping this prayer in our hearts and in our minds and offering it unto God, that he will be with us, that he'll correct us when we need to be corrected, and that he'll protect us as we look unto him. So as we close, let's think about how Psalm 141 can help us to weather the storm. I just want to give you some practical suggestions and practical thoughts, and I'm applying this to my life as well. I need to pray for God to give me wisdom and to help me watch what I say and how I say it. Again, James 3, 1 through 12. Be very careful what you say and how you say it, because it can destroy relationships and it can destroy your influence for good if you say the wrong thing. Number two, I need to pray for wisdom when I feel like giving into temptation or retaliating in a moment of weakness. And guess what? We are all human beings and we all struggle with this to some degree. You know, some more than others, perhaps, but sometimes it's very difficult not to retaliate. That's why Jesus is the perfect example. You know, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. Sometimes we might not show that same restraint. And so we need to pray for wisdom. James 1 2 through 6. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Wisdom there in that context is wisdom how to uh, accept the trials of life and how to navigate through them. For our purposes, wisdom in helping us weather the storm. We need to pray for that. Number three, it's a good thing to pray for God's will to be done regarding the wicked. 1 Timothy 2, through 1-4 uh, through four comes to mind. You know, pray for kings and all those in our authority, uh, that we can live a peaceable life and that the gospel can have free course. We need to be praying for that. You know we need to be praying that righteousness is what wins. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sinners are reproach any people. Let's pray that the right things will be done, whether that's coming from you know the White House or the, the governor's office or you know just in our community, whatever. It's a good thing to pray for God's will to be done, and we need to always be thoughtful and mindful of that. But then finally, my eyes need to be fixed on God. As I take refuge in him, Psalm 46, 1 and 2. You know, David said, I'm looking unto you. You're, you're the one that's guiding me. You're the one that's going to be my refuge. Help me to stay focused on you, God. And you and I can benefit greatly with that same mentality. I'm about to close this episode with a quote I found from Thomas Watson. He said, if you would keep your mind fixed in prayer, keep your eye fixed. Much vanity comes in at the eye. When the eyes wander in prayer, the heart wanders. To think to keep the heart fixed in prayer and let the eyes gaze abroad is as if one should think to keep his house safe, yet let the windows be open. And so you and I, as we navigate through life, as we strive to navigate through the storms, whether that's a storm of you know, fighting temptation, it's a storm of fighting against you know, other people who are trying to ridicule you, or fighting against you know, your own inability or or whatever the case may be. Keep your eyes fixed on God. And when your eyes are fixed on Him, your heart can be there too. Remember the words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's lay up our treasures in heaven and not on earth. Let's stay focused on our God, even and especially in the midst of the storm. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this study of Psalm 141 has been helpful for you. And I hope all of us can apply these things to our lives, that we may bring glory to God as we weather the storm. Thank you so much. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and We have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use. And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.